Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my discussion and sort of review of the Tribute Hall, the new thing that they added to Destiny 2 Season of Opulence. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. I'm probably live right now if you want to come in and hang out. If I'm not live, follow the channel. If you're watching on YouTube, hit and like and subscribe helps me out. So the reason I want to separate this from my discussion of the Juju Quest review, the bad Juju, I actually find these to be a little bit separate as far as like things and entities in the game. The And also a lot of people are comparing the bad Juju Quest to the Whisper Quest and the Outbreak Perfected. And I kind of wanted to draw those comparisons as well as just talk about the weapon itself. So this is going to be a separate discussion just about the Tribute Hall itself. There are some people that think it's lame. They don't like it. We've already had some good currency discussions this morning that I think I'm going to kind of add to the talk because I do think people are maybe misunderstanding a couple of things about the boons and about the discount and about the material cost so first let's just talk about how it's unique then fun then player spectrum and how this lands on the player spectrum so first and foremost I think it's unique I actually like this out of the gate it's cool to have a physical space where we can kind of have trophies you know, visible trophies of things that we've done in the game. Someone yesterday said they thought it was kind of lame, they didn't really get it, and I was like I actually think it's really neat to walk into a room, and there's a giant ghost, there's a giant iron banner thing there's cool statues of Ikora and Zavala and there, you know, testimonies of things you've done in the game, and as a completionist, the people that like to go for the, the titles and the emblems and the triumphs this is a really good evolution and iteration on that idea this is something that landed in Forsaken if you remember, titles and triumphs landed in Forsaken and I feel like people have responded very well to them. They chase the triumphs, they chase the titles. That's why one of the main criticisms of some of the titles and some of the things was that you needed RNG to get them, you know, and if they didn't drop the ghost or the ship or the sparrow for you, you had to like try again next time, you know, to wait so many weeks. That was, I think, some proof that they were getting good response to that collectivism, that completionism, and this is a great evolution of that it's visual you can go in and see it it's really really neat not only that they basically added a shooting range to the game which is pretty neat you can summon all sorts of different enemies uh to test you know firing at them the captain did teleport off of his platform so that kind of that kind of messed up if you're trying to do like a pure dps test on a captain but it's really really neat that they decided to do that you can toggle you know the enemies and then like back up and test out weapons on them test out range drop off efficiency accuracy you know dot damage all those things Anytime they add new weapons to the game now, you're going to have a place where you can go and like say, oh, well, how does this work against that? <clears throat> I don't know if there's really, really big enemies in there. Well, I've not gotten that far into it. I think the largest enemy I have is a is a captain. The physical representations of our triumphs, I just think is a really, really cool touch and something neat. Also, with respect to the story, this is an interesting thing, you know, development. It's an interesting development. Oh, there is an ogre. Oh, fantastic. This is an interesting development that that Callus is giving us a trophy room in the Leviathan. This is a this is a shift and a change. I don't know if it's meant to be impactful on the story and the development of our relationship with Callus and maybe a drifting away from sort of thinking of ourselves as tied to the tower and the vanguard but overall unique and an excellent decision I think for them to do this secondly let's talk about how it's fun I really like the way they structure this grind and a lot of people I think are missing out on this on how it's set up and how you're supposed to kind of think about it having a grind like this you can kind of set your sights on and it's sort of a slow burn I think is really really smart 
given that we've just kind of come off of Drifter wasn't that great, Menagerie's been just a non-stop grind for a lot of people. This is just a slow, take your time, work on the daily bounties, get your little boons, and slowly get that discount. Now, this is where I think some people are misunderstanding how this is supposed to play out. If you're a hardcore player and you went in there and just blew all your currency at once, all your planetary mats, and you just kind of went crazy because you wanted to get the bad juju catalyst, that's great. This event goes until August. I'm recording this on July 11th. This is not meant to be a fast burn for everyone. You can take your time. Now, if you read closely the bounties for the boons that you pick up from Callus, the little Callus statue, it says you can only be awarded four per day. Now, we're not sure if that's meant to be a count or per character. Some people are able to turn in more than four per day. I managed to do, before before reset, I think I got five the first day, but today we tested it. We could not get it to reset. Once we cashed in four, we couldn't get any more. So, 4% discount per day over the weeks that can add up. I think somebody did the math. It adds up to like 80%. So that's how you should be thinking about this. This is meant to be a complimentary slow burn toward filling that room with triumphs you know, and tributes and, and getting the currency discount, as well as if you like doing triumphs, go to the triumphs page, do all the ones that are there. There's some for Gambit, there's some for raids. You know, I handed, I, I, I did a lot of them yesterday and that was actually pretty fun. So if you look at it in that way, this is a nice sort of, end to the season we're not necessarily done yet solstice of heroes is still around the corner i actually think this is a really really excellent way of doing it the other thing to consider here is they really were thoughtful about how they set this up it's very very thoughtful it's set up so that the spectrum of player can engage with this accordingly very similar to how they set up the menagerie and I actually think this is a nice break for the Menagerie. I know people are mad about the Menagerie patch. I'm not super thrilled about it. I think a compromise would have been better with the three chests and, and a possible five, um, you know, a possible five on on Heroic would have been a better compromise. However, I also think that this is a nice change of pace. You can kind of slow down, not necessarily be hitting that Menagerie hardcore every single day, and slowly walk your way through this. And that, again, is why I think they were very thoughtful here. When you go into Menagerie normal, they set it up so well for casuals to just play matchmaking. They don't have to burn through it really, really quickly. It's not failable. Hardcores can burn through it in 10 or 11 minutes, and then obviously they can make their team and take their team to Heroic. And this is set up in a similar way. If you are a hardcore player, you can burn that currency day one, get the thing, If you're not, it really scales down. That's why I want to end by talking about player spectrum. This is just another piece that gives me a lot of confidence in the future of this franchise. Because if you go all the way back to the Destiny talks that I did when I was in the Plaguelands, before Destiny 2 launched, after we played the beta, I would consistently get the question, what do you think the greatest challenge for Destiny 2 will be? And I always gave the same answer satisfying the spectrum of player you have hardcores and casuals in this game they love the game equally but they engage with it in different amounts of time how do you keep both sides happy if you make things super super grindy the casual players feel like they're never going to get it if you make things too easy the hardcores just just steamroll over it the way they have set up menagerie and the way they have set up tribute hall is the exact formula for the future of destiny so that no matter how much you engage you feel like you're getting something for your time and you're feeling like you can engage and enjoy the content when you look at 
entry points of content, especially with new light on the horizon, a free entry point, you have to consider those that are going to be playing less or play less times. What's their experience going to be like? Because there's actually probably more of them than the six to 10 hour a day players. They have to be able to engage and enjoy themselves. Hardcore players also need something as a testimony or a reward for how much they play. And the menagerie, you're rewarded with efficiency. You can burn through that, so you can burn through it a lot faster. You can get done way quicker than everybody else. And get, you know, get your weapon grind more efficiently, especially now that you can't run the chest back and forth. And here, you get to basically bypass the grind. You can sort of skip ahead. And then you're like, oh, I burned through all my materials. They said materials are going to be more valuable in September. Well, now you have something to do between now and September. Fill your coffers, grind the planets, get those, you know, get those stores back up, get yourself ready. So when September rolls around, you're sitting on a nice fat stockpile of planetary materials again. Casuals being able to slowly engage and earn that discount or play things like Menagerie is vital to the future and success of Destiny because there are tons of these players. We had a very imbalanced approach in Destiny to Vanilla. They were like, oh, here is everything super, super easy. And then Forsaken lands and it was a little bit on the other side of things. It was, you really got to grind. Infusion is difficult. Leveling is difficult. It was really structured for hardcore players. I really feel like the plane is stabilizing now as we, as we start to sail and fly our way to September. If Bungie can continue this trend with this spectrum, I think that the franchise is in very good shape. Because in September, we're going back to the moon. More than likely, there'll be new loot and new activities to grind, new pursuits. And if people feel empowered to engage at their level, that is how this game, I believe, can survive. Because if September lands well, you have to consider something. Bungie self-publishing now. All those annual pass pieces that they're selling a la carte have got to be winsome. Entry point has to be accessible. Leveling can't be arduous and slow. Entry point for casuals to enjoy the content has to be there. Reward and incentive for hardcore players also has to be well in place. So raids, aspirational content, that loot system needs to be significantly improved. But as long as they set up this spectrum where I play 10 hours a day, I play 2 hours a day, if you feel satisfied after a play session, then Bungie has been very, very successful with the structure and every single time you 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 trickle out that content people are going to feel not only empowered to engage but motivated to purchase if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify or watching on youtube you could probably catch me live right now twitch.tv slash say no to rage we're going to switch to question and answer as always please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my Tribute Hall discussion video. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you could probably catch me live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. If you can't catch me live, you can always follow the YouTube channel as well as subscribe and a like. That helps me out. We're going to jump right into the questions here. The first question coming in from bmore509. Do you think the Hall of Enemies is in is New Age shooting range? What the frick? I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know what you mean by New Age. It's a shooting range. It's a great way to test out weapons. So yeah, I guess. I don't know what you mean by New Age though. The uh, Slim Sinatra says, "Do you think the Hall will become a key staple of the game, or is it just filler?" Yeah, you got bad juju, but what's the point of it? I mean, it's a place to show everything you did in year two. Well, maybe year one and year two, I think. Maybe just year two. I don't know. It's just a way to celebrate what we've done thus far. I don't know how they would expand it, though. Once you have every single tri- you know tribute and trophy up, 
I mean, I'm not really sure what they would do to expand upon that. I mean, it it's just a room full of trophies. It's neat. Um, now, they could have other doors open, I guess. Other areas open up where you start to celebrate what you do in other, you know, e- ethos, epochs of the game, you know, other seasons of the game. That you know, open up a door and they say, "Hey, here's this section now. Here's this section now." You know, stuff like that. They could keep adding to it. So we'll see. I that would be a, a better way, I think, than just having it be like a one-off. I, I mean, one-offs are fine, but I definitely think they could they could afford to say, you know, "Hey, this is something we're going to be continuing to add to uh, every single time that we do a new season." I'd be I'd be okay with that. Next question, Ezekiel says. With the tribute hall being a player-decorated space, do you think the potential could be there's a shared personal space, much like dojos, navships, and Warframe? I don't know if they're going to do that. You know, hey, oh, we're going to let you bring your buddies in. Because we all have the same stuff. It's not like you can really personalize it. It's just a matter of how full is yours compared to mine. So if you've seen, you know, a full tribute hall, then you've kind of seen them all. So I don't even know if that's going to be a thing that they do. Um, I I would I would say I would say that it'll probably just always stay as a solo place, you know, where you go and you've got your stuff that you've worked on. As far as it opening up another spaces, I think that's more likely than them, you know, letting you take your buddies there. Uh, Kyber, what are your thoughts on the resource uh, dump design for the tribute system and consequently the bad juju? I talked about this in my talk. I think it was a great execution of Spectrum of Player, similar to the way that the Menagerie allows both casuals and hardcores to enjoy the content but get rewarded differently. So, hardcore players can, you know, burn through a normal Menagerie in 10 minutes. Casual players can match make. It's not failable. It might take them a little bit longer, so their grind efficiency goes down. Perfect, perfect spectrum of player experience, right? Similar thing is going on with the tribute hall and the currency dump. Really, really hardcore players have stuff saved up, and if they feel like it, they can just go nuts and get the catalyst day one. More casual players don't have that currency stacked up, but you are empowered as a, as a casual to go grab those bounties and earn that discount over the next couple of weeks and make it cheaper, more affordable to fill the tribute hall. You can also go to the Triumphs page and get a handful of them anyway. I mean, there's a good amount of them there as well. Lord of Time. Would you like to see an Ascendant Planet or an Ascendant Patrol area? I'm... This is not something that I've 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 ever really thought about. So I'm like, oh man, I can't wait for them to do that. That again, that's just that's not something that I've ever really been. Oh man, they better do this. So in my in my mind, ascendant areas are tied to things and lore, and there's a there's like a there's like a reason that that's going on and happening. The Ascendant Realm, stuff in the Dreaming City, when we go and fight Oryx, when we have to become Ascendant, like, there's there's a lot tied to that, and I don't know, it may trivialize it, to just start being like, oh, there's Ascendant here, there's Ascendant there, there's Ascendant everywhere. I don't care either way, I wouldn't be mad, I wouldn't be significantly mad or significantly happy, I would just be like, oh, it's a new area to go to, but it does seem like with Ascendant, with the Ascendant Realm lore and sort of the mythology behind it it would be weird just to suddenly have like an ascendant air like 
patrollable area. Now, they could do that with a dreadnought. They could say it's been it's been taken over by Savathun and she's completely inhabited the whole thing like she's turned it into an entire, you know, ascendant realm or everything that's there is in the ascendant realm. I don't know. Again, I'm not sharp enough on the lore to really know why it would or wouldn't be ascendant, why we would or wouldn't go into ascendant realm, but it does seem like that would be somewhat trivial to what we've our experience up to now with ascendant realms you know has been it's tied to like a story lore element iz flows do you think we will get another request exotic next week for the third week for solar week it's possible that dragon's breath is going to make a make an emergence because apparently there's something that's been data mined during solar week where we're getting rocket launcher components or something so i could see them doing a goofy maybe not goofy maybe that's not the right word a hidden quest or like a silly little grindy quest to like hey you know work on this and then we get the dragon's breath People saying G-Horn, I don't think they're going to waste Galahorn on something like that. Galahorn will be attached to, like, something that you buy. They'll, they'll promote some DLC, some annual pass with Galahorn. Galahorn's way too strong of a motivator to just slap on at the end of, of Season of Opulence. I bet you that it's Dragon's Breath. Because it'll tie in with Solar, with solar Week, and it, it's not that amazing. I mean, maybe they could make it more amazing than it, than it ever was. But I, I highly, highly doubt that they would waste Galahorn on just a free random thing that happens. I would think they would use Galahorn as a marketing tool. Because they would send out like a vid doc for Shadow Keep or some annual pass thing, and suddenly somebody'd come running in and they'd have the Galahorn on their shoulder and everybody'd freak the frick out. And you'd want to buy it for that. Big Fesh. What do you think about the newest bug that allows you to cheese and skip the grind for 50 tributes? Stuff like that's going to happen. I don't really care if, if people want to do that. It's They're just bypassing a grind. They're not, you know, they're not getting... It, they're not, like, cheating their way to some amazing thing that everybody else can't get or something. I don't... I don't care that much about it. There's some cheese people in chat are asking. I don't know the exact cheese... But as long as you don't do something at the very, very beginning, you can keep, like, leaving and coming back with another character and keep, like, getting, like, a tribute or something. And then you basically can fill the tribute for, you know, without doing all the grind. JD Gamer. Hello, do you think Bungie should give Whisper the D1 treatment and need the damage on Whisper Breathing? I think you meant to say nerf. Nerf the damage on Whisper Breathing and its base damage a little and move it to the secondary slot. I mean, I don't... I don't know. I'm not... Whisper's in a weird spot because it's a god-tier weapon in the right places. It still is great. If you save your ammo, it does great damage. I just didn't like them taking away how much ammo it could store because I commonly was using it in the Scourge of the Past the raid and I would use my ammo on his shields as well as some of the snipers and when I had you know 20 something shots I was like oh hey I can uh, I can I can basically get the I can get it to proc on the, the white nail right I can get white nail to proc on his shields like I got pretty good at it well now you, you can't uh, you can't do that. You're just wasting the ammo at that point. 
you can still get 18 shots right 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 you still have a decent amount of ammo but like it just they just change the nature of the weapon and how it kind of works and functions and so I don't necessarily know if they need to like lower its damage and slap it into the energy slot I'm more inclined to think that that's what they should do with swords lower damage lower ammo capacity and slap them in the energy slot they'd be a pretty good shield popping gut buster you know close range weapon and they don't really belong in the power slot. They're in they're in such a weird spot. So many of the bosses are so big, right? They're enormous. It just doesn't make sense. Why are swords in the heavy slot? You're like going up and like chopping the ankles of a raid boss. Or even strike bosses. Strike bosses are huge. And you're gonna run up and like slice the ankles with a with a sword? They, swords should just be in the energy slot. And and that would not create any problems right now. Put them, put them right there, right. Put them right there in line with the damage efficiency of a shotgun. And if you have some exotic swords that you're worried about them being too strong, then you could always lower them too. Or I don't know. Uh, but they're they're just not. You know, plus stomps make them hard to use. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can cancel stomps with it, but still, I just. I don't know. Swords just don't seem to fit in the power slot right now. Zeta. Hey, Lono, I might have misheard, but I thought the Tribute Hall was here to stay and not a timed event. Well, I thought that the well Moments of Triumph runs until August, so maybe we've been misrepresenting it. Moments of Triumph. Maybe, I think you have until X number of time to get... Yeah, I think that's what it is. Because if you come here, that's exactly what it is. August 27th is for Moments of Triumph. Tribute Hall is a separate thing. They maybe should have had those things launch at different times. Because I think that might be confusing to people. Tribute Hall is just there for you. Because that makes sense, right? If somebody joins the game late and they want to go do Tribute Hall and work on getting bad juju, they always can. It's not going away. Ochi, could this be Bungie's take on player housing for a more MMO feel? Personal space in the universe where you physically see your history in the universe. I don't know about player housing. I mean, that's not really a thing in Destiny, right? Like, we don't really need housing, like, like in Skyrim or something. Uh, This is just a manifestation and I think an evolution of triumphs in, like, the books and things where you had, like, the proof of everything you've done. It's kind of like that, which is kind of what housing is, right? You know, in Skyrim and other places, you, you spend all this money to decorate and put all this stuff on the wall and everything looks pretty dope. I think they said that there's going to be something like that in Borderlands 3 as well on the ship the because that's that's like your your home base in Borderlands 3. I feel like they said there's going to be something like that in that in that game in BL3. So, yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of an interpretation of that. I it's but it's not I don't necessarily think this means that they're going to be going to like a currency based like buy decorations thing. I mean, maybe they will, I don't know. That that could go in the Eververse, I guess. Uh, but I like it. I think it's cool and, you know, more things like that would make people feel like their investment is being e- expressed and shown in the game in different ways. Ezekiel, when it comes to the time nature of the Tribute Hall, is it reasonable to expect it will return at a later date? Annually, or do you think it's a one-time event to cap off Destiny 2? Well, unfortunately, this question's already been answered, and I've been misrepresenting it. I've been continuing to say, oh, you've got until August to get the, you know, to get the discounts on the, 
on the boons and stuff. I apparently we've got it backwards. Like tribute hall, I believe, is separate from moments of triumph. Moments of triumph's always been limited to get the sparrow ship shader. No, I'm sorry, sparrow ship emblem, and then the T-shirt, and now the title. That's always been limited, but I don't think tribute hall is limited. Peter Iliak, this is a two for one. What would you say Vicarious Visions has in making this content so great? I don't know. Maybe their creativity and their philosophy, because it's very, very similar to the way that Spire of Stars feels. Do you think it would be good for Bungie to collaborate with more devs or just go solo? Well, I, I think collaboration is always great. Bungie's a really big studio, though, so I don't know how much they would need to. The you know High Moon Studios and Vicarious Visions definitely help them. So I, I don't I don't know what their bandwidth is going to look like for the foreseeable future. I don't think they can work with VV or High Moon Studios anymore. Those are Activision-owned studios, which more than likely Activision's not going to want to have that happening. So I would love to see collaboration. If anything, they could collaborate with Epic and collaborate on the Unreal Engine, quicker updates, world building, etc., and maybe try and learn from them. Because I've said there could be a small team right now rebuilding Destiny in the Unreal Engine, not building Destiny 3, just like rebuilding the dev tools and the kits and everything for, you know, world building, weapon design, etc. So I don't know. I mean, working with other studios is probably not on their radar right now, unless it's something very specific like that. Like, we need this designed or that designed. They have their raid team. They seem to have a structure and a cadence that they feel like they can meet and match. So we'll see how they do a year from now. We'll know, you know. Uh, kill, killed your boy. Y'all think 200 double kills and 100 grenade kills is too much? They should have it. Uh, no, nah, it's fine. A lot of people did it. You know, I see mountaintops pretty regularly. So I don't, I don't think it'd be fair to come behind and lower it like that. There's so many people. There are so many people that worked on mountaintop that would probably be pretty annoyed about that. You'd put more of them in in circulation for less commitment, so it's not alright. Most people cheesed it. I don't know if there's a way to verify what you're saying that most people cheesed it that like did the whole like kill trading in you know the Asian market or the Asian servers, I'm sorry. Uh, Asian region. I, it's not servers, you know what I'm saying. But still, I that's not a reason to lower it, you know. Oh, well, people cheesed Riven with you know, uh, what was it? Originally, it was clusters. People cheese Riven, so because they cheesed it, we should do X, Y, and Z. They should change the fight. They should lower the damage. Now, preventative measures in Riven would have been different. You're talking about lowering it because you're just basically like, it's too hard to get. Lowering mount- Mountaintop is bad, but lowering Redrix is good. Well, they didn't lower Redrix. They changed the name, changed the gun, and relaunched a different quest the following season, and they made it easier for anybody who had already gotten it. That's not the same as what he's saying. He's saying go to the existing quest. Now, if they came out with a different version of Mountaintop next season, and they wanted to make it a little bit more accessible, and they made people that owned the Mountaintop made it a little bit easier for them to get it, then that would be a parallel. He's not asking for that. He's just saying lower the required amount of kills. It's not quite the same. I mean, I get what you're saying. I do, but it's a little bit different, and I don't necessarily... I think they lowered... And here's the other difference, okay? They lowered the requirements to get the Claymore because of... For Redrix, 
because it was absurd how many I, nobody got it mountaintops not that not that low mountaintops you know saturation of the game seems significantly higher than redrick's so redrick's was changed because of saturation rates being terrible mountaintop being changed just because you think it's too much isn't the same logic or sentiment it's not the same like line of thinking it's a completely different you know type of line of thinking Velociraptor, do you think it makes sense for PvP Pinnacles, which are harder to get, to be the best options for PvE, or do you want Pinnacles to be uh, the better options? I mean, I've gotten this question a lot. I think if you make something really, really good in PvP, it will naturally be good in PvE, because if something's good in PvP, what does it do? It does damage quickly and efficiently, because that's what you're trying to do in PvP to kill people. Any weapon that does damage quickly and efficiently is going to be great in PvE, because when it's time to melt a boss, what are you trying to do? Well, we're trying to do good damage quickly and efficiency, efficiently. Like, that's essentially, is it, you know, it's always going to happen. Now, Bungie could make maybe make sure that there's, you know, better PvE pinnacles to chase, because the oxygen was, you know, it's a scout rifle. Eh, loaded question was pretty good. And then this time around, the, Wen- the Wendigo, the Wendigo is good. Um... But obviously, Mountaintop and Recluse are just insane anywhere you take them. There's no way for them to not have that happen. You make a gun with really, really strong and good damage efficiency, it's probably going to be good everywhere in Destiny. Uh, AL Aquarius. Do you feel that the Tribute Hall should stay in the game long term be added to? We've gotten this question. I think it'd be cool if they did it. I'm not going to care if they don't, but I think it could definitely stay around and have new doors open. Dante Norris. Hey, Lona, it was amazing to see you and talk to you at Guardian Con. Oh, it was good to meet you, too. It was awesome to meet so many people. My question is, what kind of longevity do you think the Tribute Hall has outside the weapon range of getting bad juju? Very similar to the previous question. They could definitely open up new doors and new areas for new seasons, for new new triumphs and tributes. Just continuing to decorate the Leviathan with our, you know, the spoils of war. Orange is life. Hey, Lono, do you think that Bungie will nerf Grenade Launcher or bump others in the heavy up? I feel like grenade launchers are fine. Maybe spike nades will get a little bit of a nerf, but not much. I really don't want them to get nerfed. I'm saying maybe. That's not me saying I hope they do it. That's just me saying they may look at spike nades. I do think rocket launchers are in a, still in a bad. I really, they're in a bad spot. They're not very. They're not. They're not able to keep up. And then grenade launchers are kind of stealing the show because you don't have to wear an exotic and you can do really good damage. So that's one of the reasons that they've kind of pulled ahead in damage efficiency and in endgame DPS meta. So, did Loaded Question get buffed? They buffed fusions in general, which affected how good Loaded Question is. It was already, people were already using it and liking it. They just made it stronger because they buffed fusions. Myers Alpha. With the addition of Tribute Hall, do you think Bungie could implement similar things? I I don't, questions like this, I mean, yeah, why, the, what, what am I going to say? No, like, no, dude, they could never do anything like this ever again. Well, yeah, of course they could. Like, this is just the beginning of, you know, things like this, of physical manifestations of our, our triumphs and our tributes. Uh, they started it with the, with the Triumph book, right? You get, you get emblems and you get shaders from, from doing stuff. So, yeah, I don't see why not. Dante Norris. There has been a fair bit of talk in the community, Reddit YouTube forums, about nerfing and not having pinnacle weapons be as strong as they have been in the future. Do you agree with this sentiment? Well, here, here's where I think people are right in their criticism, okay? Right now, aspirational content like the raids, all their gear is essentially outpaced by guns that can be earned just by, like, 
doing stuff, right? You can just do stuff and get pinnacle weapons. So whether it's the Wendigo or the Loda Question, even the Recluse in the Mountaintop, right? I know those those take a while to get, but it's still directional and it's still intentional. And once you have them, there's not like really anything left in the game that you're like, oh man, I need to go get that. That's going to be so good. That's going to be so strong. No, you you have pinnacles. My pushback though is, well, that they're called pinnacle weapons, right? So we're kind of stuck, aren't we? If you design pinnacle weapons and each season they're like, here's something new and really, really insanely strong that you can grind for in Gambit, Crucible, and then like PVE. And then if they stop doing that, then they would have to start putting pinnacles in the activities that can drop randomly rolled. So whenever raid lands in September, every gun should have a curated roll that's basically like a pinnacle version of that weapon. It's unique. Maybe that's the only way to get that perk, right? Um, let's create a perk called Feeding Fens- Feeding Frenzy Fire. Fire, you know, Firefly Frenzy or something. And Firefly Frenzy is if you get a crit kill, it does Firefly, and then it procs Feeding Frenzy, and you reload, and now your rounds are like, you know, incendiary rounds, damage over time or something. And now you're motivated to not hit headshots, because if you hit headshots, it'll like reset it. But as long as you're hitting body shots, you're doing damage over time, and it's really strong, it's a really good burn, it'd be good to like proc this, and then maybe like shoot a major or a boss. There's just an idea off the top of my head. That might not be good, it might not be strong, but let's just roll with it, let's pretend it's a really good perk. Fire, you know, Fire Frenzy, Firefly Frenzy, would be only, you could only get it on the raid hand cannon if the curated version drops. All other rolls on the hand cannon can be decent, can have good rolls, can have decent perks. But if you want that brand new perk that they came out with, you got to get the curated version. It's essentially a pinnacle version of that archetype of weapon, and it's like in the raid. Now, if you're going to do this, I also think Bungie would need to say, you can run the raid more than three times a week, you know? Because right now, this, this criticism, I think, has some validity. Pinnacle weapons... A lot of them, they're not that difficult to come by. I mean, if you just look at the loaded question and the Wendigo, then they're not that difficult to get, and they're in, they outclass everything you can get in aspirational content. And I think that's a problem. Aspirational content's lacking good 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 loot loot incentive, and that's just not how loot pursuit games should work. J D Turkleton. Do we know yet? Is there a Cade 6 tribute? We've not seen one. I don't know. It could be a secret one. Uh, it could be a secret triumph or something. Gun at Pirate. Thoughts on adding a D1 wing to the tribute hall? Um, I wouldn't be against it. I'm not going to campaign for it. It'd be cool. But for me, the problem would be I don't have any of my, my D1 characters unattached to my PC. So people that switched over to PC and couldn't bring their characters would be a little bit, you know, out of luck. That'd be the biggest bummer is all the people that moved to PC. Oh, but Crosshair is coming. Well, that that wouldn't help. <laughs> that wouldn't help. Unless they have a way to, like, sync your triumphs on Bungie.net or something. Oh, my Wade. From a game dev storytelling standpoint, since they added the hall, does that mean they can really have us fighting or killing Callus? Defeating Callus and destroying the Leviathan would essentially remove the hall, right? This is why I said there may be a story thrust and a, and, a, and a lore change here in that it's clear 
we are now allied with Callus. It's not just, hey, we'll come help you out, or, yeah, hey, we'll come play around in the Leviathan because we might get some strong loot. It's, no, like, we're allies now. We literally have our tributes and our trophies in your storehouses. We're bringing them here. So, it does seem like a bit of a shift, but we kind of already saw this coming, given everything he said, and given what that we know there's like an incoming threat that he seems to know about from staring into the abyss. And obviously, you know, the queen, Mara, showed us in her realm, wherever she exists. So. X, uh, VXVRD. Would you like to see a raid added that had mechanics similar to Wrath of Machine? So if you slipped up on one part, you could restart the encounter. Well, the second half of your question doesn't make any sense. I mean, we didn't restart encounters from one slip-up in Wrath. We did the exact opposite. Right? We did the exact opposite. One slip-up meant, no, keep going. So I think maybe that's what you mean. Maybe you're trying to draw that contrast and you just didn't phrase your question properly. In my mind, going back to clutchable encounters with mechanical pain and good intensity from the ads, that is the best way to structure raids. I think that's the best way to structure raids. So you're, you're asking a lot of the players, you can add more mechanical pain for like the harder version, and if someone dies, you're not facing some weird soft enrage. You can keep pressing on and try and clutch it shorthanded. There's just something really, really special about that. And this idea that like, oh, but LFG and Sherpas just tell people to go stand in the corner and they just drag them through raids. We should not be legislating the game to those mi- that minority of people. So... That was worded properly. He's saying, so that if you slip up, you could clutch like you did in Wrath. If you slipped up on one part, you had to restart the encounter. That's not what he's saying. He said, would you like to see a raid added that had mechanics similar to Wrath the Machine? So if you slipped up on one part, you had to restart the encounter. He's totally phrased the sentence. It's not phrased properly. That wasn't true in Wrath. So I think he's trying to draw a contrast between raids like king's fall where a slip up was like a just wipe and in wrath a slip up is let's move let's relocate somebody else pick up the slack desoluted uh desolated reaper what do you think about making your ship interior a personal space that is customizable i mean i i don't know the ships aren't even that big like you can jump you can go jump near them in the tower. I mean, they're basically a bed with wings. Like, there's not a whole lot of room in there to be moving around. Um, I've, you know, I've jumped, I've jumped through and near them before when they come to the tower. So, Dagnabbit Ben, since you brought up their engine, I had a thought. We always gripe on Bungie for their engine, how quickly they pump out changes and updates, but we don't always mention how optimized and how beautiful it is, as well as being very cross-platform friendly. The UE4 doesn't always excel in those categories. I mean, I don't know enough about Unreal to know about its agility and adaptability across platforms. I don't know about its optimization. All I know is when I play Fortnite with my nephews, one's on the Switch, one's on an iPhone, one is on the Xbox, and I'm on PC. So that kind of feels like that's pretty good um and destiny as you know as its engine i'll agree is optimized well and it ported the pc well but 
I it, it isn't necessarily always about that. If you're slow on development turnaround, DLC turnaround, development bandwidth is just choked out to the point that you're always doing updates slowly, patching slowly, quality of life updates are slow. Like, if that's always happening, I just think eventually people are going to be like, why wouldn't you switch? Well, it wouldn't be as optimized or wouldn't feel like Destiny. I happen to think they could get it there with the Unreal Engine. I happen to think they could. Fortnite has no graphics, though. That's just a complete misunderstanding and misrepresentation of, of graphical fidelity. Just because the art style is cartoony does not mean that the Unreal Engine cannot put on display very impressive graphics in Fortnite. Turn textures, draw distance, and shadows and all that all the way up, and that game actually can look phenomenal within its art style. Also, there are numerous other games you can look at in the Unreal Engine that look beautiful and really, really leverage that engine's you know, ability to crank out really awesome high fidelity graphics. Just look at what some of they did with the Unreal Tournament beta. The Unreal Tournament beta, the stuff that I saw, it looked freaking real. It looked like a real world. It was it was in the Uncanny Valley almost. The Uncanny Valley is when like an AI like a a, a CGI generated face looks so real that it's almost disturbing. It was in the Uncanny Valley a little bit. I don't know if you can apply the Uncanny Valley to, like, landscapes, but they've done things with that engine that are mind-blowing. And the art style in Fortnite does not represent what that engine can do as far as... They optimized that engine. They scaled back render distance, draw distance, uh, texture mapping, all that. They scaled all that back to crank out 60, 60, okay? 60 FPS on console. So, you gotta remember that. So, the user interface tools are pretty awful. I'm working with it now. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not a developer, uh, Dagnabbit Ben, so I, I can't speak to that, and that could be subjective. There could be people that are very familiar with it that, may, that might disagree with you. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, JD Gamer. Hey, Lono, do you think Bungie should repurpose content inside of the Menagerie inside of activities like EP? Oh, in, I think you mean instead of activities like EP and Leviathan Raids. I mean, I I'm not I don't want to pit these things against each other, right? I don't want to pit these things against each other. I would try and repurpose as much as they can. The uncanny valley is when the object isn't quite perfect, and therefore the human brain finds it uncomfortable to look at. Right? Like it's so close to realistic. Like faces is when it typically happens. It's so close to being a real face, but you know that it's not. That there's like this weird thread of it's unsettling to look at. Yeah. Wolverine. Does it aggravate you that people are doing this tribute glitch? Personally, I've gotten up to 35 already, and it really grinds my gears. You know what grinds my gears? I don't care, man. You can do it with... You can earn it and, and, and get that catalyst and apply that catalyst to your gun with pride. You know, I don't let what others are doing bother you. I have decided to take that mantra with streaming. There are plenty of people that view bot on the regular and follow bot and they've juiced their Twitter numbers and their viewer numbers and their follower numbers. And you know what I ultimately say? That's fine. They're robbing themselves of true achievement and true success and I'm going to do it the legit way. Like we just hit 150,000 followers on Twitch and it's so satisfying knowing that I earned that through hard work, dedication, and every, every single one of those is legit. You know, I mean, there may be like a smattering of bots in there, but like, I'm not paying for two to 300 followers a day like some folks are. You know what I'm saying? So, 
Same deal here. If someone wants to take a shortcut, that doesn't affect the fact that you worked hard for it and can wear it with pride. It just doesn't. You know, you can you can enjoy your achievement. They're not taking away from what you've done. You know. Depo side. Do you think Bungie's communication with the community is better since they split up with Activision? Keep up the good uh, deeds and awesome content. Thank you. I feel like they've had great communication with us for a while now, personally. Personally. I think they've had good communication with us for a while now. Now, they may be a little bit more transparent now, so the rhythm of communication is the same, but maybe the transparency's better, you know? Maybe the honesty is a little bit higher. Not that they were dishonest in the past, but like there's just certain things you maybe you can't say when you're attached to a publisher, you know? Paying for follow sounds like a great way to lose money in the long run. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> just you wait. There is a reckoning coming. It's going to be beautiful. Nova hands. Hey, Lono, purely speculative. But do you think there's something behind the door on the far side of the tribute hall? It's possible. This goes in line with what some people have said that you know, there could be other areas that are going to open up. Travis, thoughts on adding an auction house or marketplace to the game for players to use in-game currency to trade cosmetics or other items? No, 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 no. You know that gif of Tracy Morgan from that cop movie where he's like, no, 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 no. That's that's my response to you. Um, we do not, do not want an auction house in this game. Yes, Cop Out, thank you. Hilarious movie with Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis. Uh, we don't want that in this game. Even if somebody's gonna be like, but Lono, but Lono, he said cosmetics. What about just the Eververse? Absolutely not. No. It just leads to so many things. It just leads to so many skeezy things. Accounts getting hacked. You know, people trying to... Get, get accounts so they can sell them there's just all kind of stuff that goes on there that you just it doesn't here's the here's the best way to say it okay it doesn't add value to the game it takes away value and it can bring really 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 bad things as well even if by some miracle nothing bad ever comes from it it still it still just doesn't bring any value to the game it just doesn't it, it, it's this weird I don't know it's this weird attachment to the game that feels foreign it doesn't feel like it belongs when they did it in Diablo 3 it was just this is Diablo the game where I go and I grind for dope stuff and I can buy dope stuff that someone else got I. it just was not a good look it just didn't work and again it felt like this foreign diseased attachment to the game um, and I just don't think you want that here and they took it out of Diablo 3 it's not even there anymore wrecked it's me have you heard about the new forge glitch where you can be AFK and get four materials at a time okay the forge glitch where you can be AFK and get four materials at a time Wait, so are people AFKing in the forges because every time it completes, you get mats, and then they're just, what, doing that all day? Getting, what, four mats every five minutes? So they're getting five and a 60. The frick, man. 12. 
Why? I mean, I don't know. That's not even that much. It's every minute? What do you mean it's every minute? People drop their light level and they let it run overnight to farm maps while they sleep. Yeah, they're probably using macros so they don't they don't get kicked to orbit. So they take a couple steps, melee, take a couple steps, shoot their gun, stuff like that. You don't have to complete it? What? What do you mean you don't have to complete it? It fails immediately? Wait, so they're going in and letting it fail and it still gives you mats? Failing a forge gives mats. Chimney Christmas, people. <laughs> why? Why? I don't know. I don't even know what to say to that, dude. I don't even know what to say to that. Like, why not just grab the bounties from the Kala statue and play the video game and, like, slowly earn the discount? And then after you've earned the discount, buy your tributes. Like, what on earth? are you doing it's the lore cheese oh it's people did that for lore I just man oh man too much work dog (laughs) do you mean to tell me I have to hold the controller and do stuff in the game to earn stuff in the video game dude nah nah dude nah I'm not doing that that's too much that takes too much time that's too difficult What's wrong with playing video games? Okay, here's what happens in looter shooters. And this is our last question. So if you guys want to submit a couple more, feel free if you have any. Don't just submit just questions for the sake of it. Like if you actually have a good question, uh, feel like submitting it. Um, Here's what happens in looter shooters and loot pursuit games in general. The loot is a motivation, okay? So the loot's a motivation. And you want the loot. So somebody looks at the catalyst for the bad juju and they're like, that is loot and I want that loot. And the pathway to getting the loot is going to be slow for them. So they're like, the experience of getting those things and doing those bounties and slowly earning the discount, right? You log in each day, you do you know, for, for those bounties, you get your 4% discount and in a couple of weeks, your discount's good enough that you can kind of go in there and buy up all the, all the, the tributes. And somebody might say, I don't want to do that. I just want the reward that, I mean, not doing something and taking a shortcut to get to a reward is pretty common. You know, it's the path of least resistance, right? Like I, I get that, you know, I understand. So the I would I would say I would say I get why people do it and but ultimately all they're doing is is like not it's just not they're just not playing the game. It would be like if you could go to the Eververse and you could buy the materials you needed for money and someone decided, you know what? I'm going to use my credit card. I'm going to swipe it. 30 bucks later, I got everything I need. I'm going to go cash it in. I'm going to get the catalyst. People be like, that's pay to win. The catalyst makes guns stronger. Okay, but let's say somebody did that. They're paying to not play, right? Paying, Pay not to play is essentially what they're doing. So, but again, this happens in loot pursuit games all the time. All the time. 
People get so focused on the loot. The loot is such a such a strong motivator that they do everything they can to bypass whatever is required to get the loot. So, Dan Papa, why did they move to Steam if they were going to go to you just Unreal? Well, moving to Steam doesn't mean they can't use Unreal. Whatever Epic, I here's 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 probably why they didn't want to go with Epic. If you want if you want to know my honest. <laughs> You want to know the honest opinion on this, okay? They just left Activision, which was highly celebrated. Everyone was just so pumped that they did that. So I have a feeling the last thing they wanted to do was to jump and run in with open arms to Epic and get the criticism for working with Epic. Because Epic was probably like, if you're going to come use our platform, we want the shadow keep dlc to be exclusive for a week or something i don't know and so bungie was probably like nah nah we, we just parted ways with the activision and the gaming community is really going to applaud that the last thing we want to do is take the wind out of our sails like winning gamers ap- approval right now and attach ourselves to epic because epic doesn't have a very good approval rating you know yeah, Rocket League got a bunch of junk for going to Epic. I mean, it just it would be a really, really un- unfortunately, I like Epic and what they're doing for the gaming community. They brought crossplay, true crossplay before anybody else could. They're offering devs uh, better revenue share in their store than Steam. They're allowing people to use the Unreal Engine with a much lower royalty share, which makes it easier for smaller uh, development companies to use their engine and use their tools and then launch on their platform and potentially, you know, they're having greater success. So Epic and the Epic Store as a concept, I think is incredibly good for the gaming community and people are just too short-sighted and stupid to see that. Sorry, but that's the facts. It's just, they're, they're bringing a lot of good they're bringing a lot of good to the gaming community. Dauntless launches, cross-platform, cross-save, cross-progression, and the reason they were able to do that is because of the backbone and the infrastructure that Epic has built with its store, and that's a fantastic win for gamers everywhere. Okay? And you're going to get more and more cross-play and more and more cross-save because Epic finally got Sony to bend the knee. Now, it doesn't matter, though, because public perception is everything. So Bungie wins the public perception, like the campaign to be like yes vote for us in 2019 and in 2020 here comes destiny to rebuild itself we're no longer with activision that campaign gets gets damaged and hurt a little bit if you link arms with epic because the current feeling towards epic now in a year from now okay think long term with me a year from now that public perception is probably going to shift because people are going to start to realize that Epic is a great, you know, they're going to build the platform. They're going to make the platform better. You're going to see more and more small companies say, we were able to build our game. We were able to have a really, really successful game launch. And it's because Epic enabled us to do that. Okay. So a year from now, people's public perception of Epic may shift and calm down. And when that happens, it wouldn't be that hard to, to, to link arms with them and put the game on Epic, use their engine backbone for crossplay is well in place and you're done your game is there anybody can play with anybody which is which is exactly what we all want for destiny gummy grizzle with destiny moving more towards rpg would you like to see some class specific benefits 
like Titans being able to carry more ammo than other classes. ETC. I mean, I don't know about it being just specific to Titans, but like if you could if you could basically go in and set your attunements and your and your perk tree to do that, you could have support, healer, DPS, tank. You could you could create those roles because we kind of have guns that are already starting to do that. So X Zajin, have you heard that all the old raid bosses are coming back in Shadowkeep but not full raids? How do you think this is going to affect the game? I have no idea. I mean, we saw Crota. People said they saw Axis. So obviously we'll be fighting them again. I hope they're really, really good fights. I hope they feel like raid fights at the very least to kind of like honor where those fights and where those enemies came from. Um, so what we'll kind of wait and see what exactly is going to go into those because if it's just like a strike boss, that'll be disappointing because we've, we've all kind of wanted we've all kind of wanted those old raids to come back. Ashen Hollow. I feel the Retrix was the Redrix was the perfect crucible pinnacle. It was strong, but it didn't dominate compared to Luna's. And while viable in PVE, it doesn't destroy everything else. Should a Recluse nerf go the, that route where a kill increases its rate of fire instead of just providing a flat damage boost? Here's the thing, man. I don't want to nerf anything that anybody worked for, whether it's the Recluse, the Mountaintop, the Wendigo, the, the, you know, anything. Even those of us that got like spike swarm grenade launchers from Iron Banner. Like, I don't want anybody's dope stuff nerfed. I, I don't. I you know, it it's it's a difficult if it's it's a difficult situation because unless they start creating really different environments and dynamic challenges, these weapons aren't gonna not be good. They're always gonna be really, really strong. But that's kind of what happens with pinnacles, isn't it? I mean, that happens with any pinnacle. That happens with any any top of the tree, uh, any top of the pyramid weapon. Anytime you have a top of the tree weapon, it is going to outperform everything else. And the question is, how do you incentivize people to either put it down or use something else? So, there are two ways... There are two ways to get players to do what you want. One is restrictive, right? You can't go over there anymore, or you have to go here to do this thing. That's one way. That's a restrictive way. You're restricting what they're doing. You can control what they do by being restrictive. Another way you can control what people do is by incentivizing what they, you know, incentivize their behavior. You can restrict behavior or incentivize behavior. If you want people to put down the recluse in the mountaintop, then you're going to have to put new weapons in the game that are really, really strong in PvE. Or put new weapons in the game that are strong in PvE in certain contexts. Those new contexts happen to be these new bosses where, for whatever reason, recluse mountaintop just don't seem to be getting the traction they're supposed to in these new environments. I don't know. I don't know. But... I'm never going to get out on a podium and be like, they need to nerf this gun. It's too strong. Unless it's something like the Icolos, which was so outside the bell curve, it was absurd. It was a heavy exotic weapon in the energy slot. It out, was out DPSing heavy exotics. That That's different than being like, oh, Mountaintop and Recluse are, are, are quote-unquote the strongest PvE weapons. Are they outside the bell curve? Are they absurd? Are they breaking encounters? I don't think so. I mean, 
spike spike nades with with on a swarm with 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 uh, tractor cannon is really really strong, and it mountaintop. Oh well, mountaintop's better. I mean, in the right situation, when you're on a Luna faction or a rally, and you're just dumping it into the boss's face, but not all the time. You know, recluse recluse mountaintops a good combo, but you can you can do just as well with other combos. I don't know. I I think that's a big challenge. You know, love the shirt. Kids are really jealous. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't know the I don't know the answer because what are you gonna do if you offer me a powerful weapon and I pursue that powerful weapon? That powerful weapon more than likely is gonna be better than other things in the game. Some gun I got from a public event or a strike should not be equal to something I grinded for that season or something from a raid. You're always gonna have tip of the pyramid weapons. It's just the nature of the game. Galaxy Beams. It seems pretty odd for Bungie to add a shooting range for testing damage on different enemies in the game, especially this late in its lifetime. Why do you think they added this? Do you think it will be a permanent add-on with Shadowkeep? Uh, like adding majors or forget about it? Well, I, they're all, as far as I can tell, they're mostly majors. They're mostly like orange bars, and then I don't know if there's like any like big yellow bosses or mini bosses. Uh, I think somebody said there was an ogre. I don't know if he's a yellow bar or an orange bar, but... Who cares if it's this late in the game? They saw an opportunity in a tribute hall which was going to have trophies in it to also allow you to spawn enemies to like test your weapons on. Well, I don't care how late in the game it is. I think that's cool. That's a win. That's a win for you. You know? Big Huge, do you think the new content model of buying seasons a la carte will fragment the player base even more? It certainly is a risk, but... I think this is Bungie's mindset on it. At that stage of the game, okay, so beyond September of 2019, you will be officially five years into the franchise, you know, half of a decade into the life of the franchise. And by that point in time, if you're still playing, then you'll probably be pretty motivated to buy the new thing. Um, and I also think they'll probably do a pretty good job motivating purchase. They learned from Season of the Drifter that when you put out a trailer that's all Gambit Prime and Reckoning, which is tied to Gambit Prime, I, I don't know. I felt like I was the only one who saw that, that trailer clearly. Everyone told me I was being too negative, but I told, man, I told people, and I know people get tired of me saying I told you so or I predicted this. It's not my fault that I'm good at predicting the future. It's, that's not my fault, Okay. I just have gotten pretty good at it. And after I watched that trailer, I told everybody the way the Drifter, Season of the Drifter was going to go, and it's exactly what happened, okay? It wasn't a good season. It didn't go over well. It was too narrow. It was too tied to Gambit, okay? Now, given that reality, I highly doubt they're going to do that again. I highly doubt they're going to do that again. They're going to try to motivate everybody to purchase every time if they can to help that funnel stay full and healthy. And again, at this stage of the game, they just, they know, I think they know they have a core audience that's always willing to spend the money and stay in the game. We'll be, we will be five years in, we'll be five years into the, into the franchise at that point. JD Gamer, with the recent nerf to Sleeper, do you think it should be buffed since no one uses it, but it's one of the longest and hardest exotic quests in the game? You know what? I kind of want to start using it again because they just nerfed the reflective damage and that's not really why people use it in the past. Like, they just use it because you can just bl- like just blast, you know, Vosik in the face with it. 
I don't know how much reflection damage we were getting on Vosik, but I, I want to start using it again because I love the weapon. I when I when even when I used it when it came back to Destiny 2, I don't think I was using it most of the time. I wasn't using reflection damage unless I was in a like a forge. Um, I use it today. Sleeper is still strong. Yeah, I mean I don't know what we'll to see because I just here's what ends up happening. Okay, perception really affects whether or not you want to use something. I was using spike nade grenade launchers for a long time and people are always like, why are you using that? I'm like, because they're actually really strong. You go into a striker at nightfall and your grenade launcher had spike nades and it matched the burn. I remember being in a nightfall and people being like, what the frick? It was my Acantha D and we had arc burn and I just demolished the boss. I mean, he just completely destroyed him. Arc burn and heavyweight on top of the spike nades was just silly. And people were like, what the heck? And then they buffed grenade launchers. Okay, so the buff to grenade launchers gave people this perception. They try it, they feel it's strong. Anytime they nerf something, the exact opposite happens. You get out your sleeper, use it a couple times, you're like, it just doesn't feel as strong as it used to be. And you might be right. You might be right. And if that's the case, you know, put it down. Because then they'll see that nobody's using it. One of the main reasons Sleeper's not getting used right now, people are using Outbreak, people are using Lumina, people are using Lord of Wolves. They introduce a lot of exotics that people are enjoying trying out. You know? Uh, Savas the Doro says, Yesterday someone mentioned that you can give in more than four bounties at Tribute Hall. Is it a random bug? I think getting it to turn in more than four is an actual bug. I don't think you're supposed to be able to turn in more than four because the actual bounties say you only can get four rewards per day. So. Mr. Uh, I'm sorry, Mbeard. As new content drops, should matchmaking get added to old stuff to promote it? Such as Leviathan, now that we are five or so raids in. I don't know about Leviathan, but matchmaking for Nightfalls is kind of a gimme. I just, yeah, add it. But I don't know if you can really add matchmaking to to, to matchmade activity. I'm sorry, to aspirational content. Play some Reckoning and go to the tier three uh, and smash make in with folks. It just doesn't work. It doesn't go very well. It just doesn't seem to go over very well. So there's going to be a patch today. It's a shame that I wasted all those bounties too. Because if they patch it and let us get more than four per day, I kind of blew all my bounties today. I pixel. Bungie said there will be a season for the Crucible. What do you think? I mean, season of the Crucible will probably be popular if they do it right. That's also probably when, if they brought back trials, that'd be the time to do it. Because that would make the appeal and the. That'd make the, the appeal and the longevity significantly better um, that would definitely bring a lot of people back and I, I think people like me would buy it anyway dip their toe in if the weapons are good enough yeah we'll figure it out we'll grind a little bit here and there um, and seasons tend to give uh, something for everybody even though the focus would be crucible there'd still be probably stuff to do in PVE you know Lord of Time. So we had a season of Gambit. Do you think well, there'll be a PvP-focused season? I mean, literally, this was just asked. So, I mean, if they said there's going to be a season for the Crucible, I don't know where they said that, but I could definitely see them doing it. The Fat Man. Do you think an in-game party finder for activities like other MMO games 
would be a viable option instead of matchmaking. Well, I think matchmaking for Nightfalls is fine, but I think what you're talking about, yes, would be good for, you know, Heroic Menagerie and the raids. Like, aspirational content in-game LFG would be better. The VidDoc said that Season 7 will have a renewed focus on Crucible. Oh, I'm sorry, Season 8. The VidDoc said that Season 8 will have a renewed focus on the Crucible. Okay. Um... Yeah, an in-game LFG, like an in-game party finder, I think would be a really, really good addition to the game right now because one of the things I think, this is what I would do personally. I would just yank guided games right the frick out of the game. I just don't think guided games gets the job done. The main reason guided games suffers is because people that would be great to lead and teach, most of those people already have a group thank you lost frames for the 120 bits 120 bits i think most of the people that could help already have ways of playing but those people would be more inclined their sentimentality and what they're accustomed to i think they would be more inclined to use an in-game lfg i i think they would I think they would be more inclined to use an in-game LFG because it's more its more sort of built around their sentimentality and what they've done for the last four and a half to five years. Guided games is basically like, come and help us. And if you have a team, a clan, or you're accustomed to using LFG, you don't really feel like using guided games. So guided games funnel is super lopsided. That's the problem. The, the, the franchise is too established and the habits of the gaming, of the community is also just too established. Uh, MW2 Killer. Do you think Bungie will ever bring back strike, ex- strike exclusive rewards just like Nightfall rewards? Because the, it's a, it's a playlist. You guys have heard me say this a lot. Because strikes are a playlist, I would say you want something that can keep you in the playlist. So, if there was like a chalice system with the Vanguard, you could call it like, you could call it. I don't even know what you could call it. You could call it Boon of the Vanguard or you know, chest of the vanguard. And each week Zavala could offer different bounties. And then when you go into the strike playlist, you like check the box. Like I want the shotgun this season. There's a new vanguard shotgun and you check the box and you just stay in the strike playlist. You don't leave. And every so many strikes, or if you happen to do something that you're supposed to do, it spits out the shotgun. So you can just stay in the strike playlist strike specific gear in the playlist doesn't make sense because it would either need to be sort of like just like an armor set that just can drop from any strike or like what I'm saying where you specifically say I want this gun and then you stay in the playlist if you want a gun from a specific strike like the warden's law then you go over to nightfalls so nightfalls are there for you pick the nightfall and you run the nightfall you go to the strike playlist and you grind the strike playlist it worked in d1 well you got to remember something though d1 was different you ran the strike playlist got a stockpile of keys and then you pick the strike from the director I think the system they have now is on a better pathway. Nightfall should drop the loot every single time as long as you hit like a weekly high score. Every week, if you hit the weekly high score, your little emblem says, unlock, you know, Nightfall generosity. And the little engram's like glowing. So then you just Nightfall, 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 and it drops every time. A playlist 
like a playlist should be created and crafted and 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 collated in a way where you just stay in the playlist you just stay in the menagerie like strike after strike after strike and you're just satisfying this thing from zavala you would still be chasing strike specific gear It'd be strike-specific gear from the playlist. So the Vanguard would be like, hey, this season, here's the four weapons we have that are for the strike playlist. And you just got to grab this thing from Zavala, and just like the Chalice, you charge it up, spits out the weapon. Charge it up, spits out the weapon. You don't have to go back to the tower. You don't have to go back and see Zavala. You just keep doing it over and over again. Nightfall should have matchmaking. Well, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. But I think that the way they have Nightfall set up is so close to being right because they have the Nightfall like loot drop protection in place and I just think it should drop every time as long as you hit like a weekly high score. Require something of the player and then they can just kind of like speed run it over and over again. And then the strike playlist serves a completely different purpose. And the daily story mission playlist could be I don't know. A good currency grind or something because milestones very quickly just don't matter and that needs to change like once you're max level once you're in the end game grind a lot of these activities should take on a different a different like feel the name is toast do we know if with cross save we will need to buy the content on every platform or the content that uh we buy stay with our characters I'm pretty sure they said your guns, all your gear will come with you, but the activities will not. The activities will not. And they've all, they're have they also going to make it very affordable to get Forsaken in the annual pass. So, everything from year one, everything from year one will be available. D2 Vanilla, Curse of Osiris, and Warmind. All that's available to you in September with New Light. You have to buy anything. That's just there. If you want to run the Forges... If you want to run Reckoning, if you want to do the Chalice and Menagerie, you need the Annual Pass. If you want to do uh, Last Wish Raid, if you want to do the Blind Well, you know, if you want to do those activities, if you want to chase that stuff, you got to buy Forsaken in the Annual Pass. And you can get that all for a discount. More than likely, come September, there'll be even uh, it'll be even a greater discount. It'll be an even, even, even greater discount. Run Reckoning? Right, yeah, like nobody runs Reckoning. There'll be a higher discount more than likely in September because they're going to say, look, you know, this new DLC just landed and people are loving it. They're jumping in. They're having a great time. If you want to get in right now, you can with New Light. If they happen to be running any year two activities, you can buy Forsaken with the annual pass for a discount. You can buy Forsaken, annual pass, and you'll be able to buy Shadowkeep probably as a bundle. They'll probably do like a year two, three, year two and three bundle for people as well. So, uh, condemned is bad juju worth getting the catalyst for? I think so. Ashen Hollow, agree that Nightfall should drop their unique loot 100 of the time. But would you okay be okay with normal strikes having a chance to drop their unique loot, and the knight would have the guaranteed drop in, in addition? Normal strikes would just have a curated chance. No, no. See what happens here. Okay, it's a playlist and people are going to back out of the playlist. Oh, I hate this strike. I don't like this strike's unique loot. I'm backing out, right? If it was a if it was a playlist driven grind where 
as long as I complete this strike and get X number headshots or something, it'll drop the hand cannon at the end because of the thing I have from Zavala. You just want to motivate players to stay in the playlist, right? People already back out now? Well, sure, they back out of, like, the Fnatic and they back out of Exodus Black, but for the most part, they're not backing out of, I would say, I, what, what, 85%? 80% of the strike playlist they don't back out of. There's one or two they back out of. Most of them they stay in and they just go, right? Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, chat. What if the longer you stayed in the playlist, the quicker you got the 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 quicker you got the drops. So when you first go in the playlist, you get the drop you get the drop from Zavala on the third strike. Then after that, you get it on the second strike. Then after that, you get it every strike, right? Motivate people to just stay in the playlist. After three, I get it. After two, I get it. So now you're five strikes in. Your sixth strike, boom, every time. Dropping every time, every time, every time. So you just stay in the strike playlist. You're motivating people to just stay in that funnel. People would, uh, and then people would AFK. No, you got to get shots on the boss. That would be one of the clauses. You cannot AFK. You need shots on the boss. You got to like, I don't know, add a second, add a second chest that they have to go hit. They got to go hit the second chest. Something like that. So it'd be like a skeleton key. But there you go. That's how you set it up. That's how you set it, That's how you set it up. You have to get shots on the boss. After the third strike, that boss drops a skeleton key. Two more strikes, he drops a skeleton key. And then beyond that, it's every time you shoot the boss, he drops a skeleton key. And then there is the chest. After every boss fight for you to use your skeleton key on. You just stay in the playlist. You just stay in the playlist. And that in that button that in that chest isn't dropping the strike unique loot it's dropping like Vanguard unique loot that gets updated every season that would keep people from AFKing you know if you play five strikes in a row give additional kill credit after 10 give an additional strike completion credit or something yeah that's the that's the point I'm trying to make is there is a definitive difference between chasing a specific piece of loot in a strike and staying in a playlist those are different that's different player behavior and you don't want to muddy that you don't want to muddy that the playlist should be set up in a way where you're just in the strike playlist all day think about the way people play the menagerie it's the same idea if it's rewarding enough you're just going to freaking stay in the trenches all day until you get the thing that you want that's different than going into a nightfall or going into a specific strike for a specific piece of wep- you know, weaponry or gear. We need more strikes, though. Yeah, I don't know about that. There's a lot of strikes, and strikes don't really get played that much once you've gotten your max level. Strikes get kind of ignored, so I don't necessarily know if we need more strikes. Also, strikes become a means to an end. You just try to run them as fast as you can, because all you're really ultimately trying to do is get the milestone done. The same thing would happen if you... The same exact thing would happen if you set this thing up like that. You know, I, I would say you would need to be careful with that. Uh, Turtle says, what if we had a chalice-like system where you could have to perform different challenges in various strikes? Once we complete them, our chalice would be fully charged and we get said weapon. You're tracking, what you're picking up what I'm putting down. It wouldn't be a chalice, but it would be something, right? It would be like this, you know, banner of the vanguard. And it's like a banner that you go to and it says you know, you you check the box for the shotgun. It's like, well, here's what you need to do to get the shotgun. 
10 melee kills, 10 grenade kills, something like that. And as long as you do that in the strike, you get it. Or, again, it's literally a point system. And the banner fills up. And it fills up. After the third strike, it fills up and it gives you the gun. But now there's a multiplier applied to the banner. So after two strikes, you get the gun. And then after that, it's fully charged. Every strike fills the banner and spits the gun out. So that's your goal. If you're grinding for that is, you're, you're grinding to get to the sixth strike, and then you just stay in there. People also seem likely to back out when strikes repeat, which seems to happen often. Yeah, this would be a, a way to keep people from backing out and give you that intentionality and give you that reward structure that people like. You know, like getting something at a good interval that you know you want and you're searching for that role and you're sort of staying in the trenches again keep in mind the strike playlist is a playlist you it's 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 like pvp you don't want people backing out you want people to stay in there you want to keep people inside that grind inside that loot pursuit and i think that would be a really really good way of doing it so you guys can keep submitting ideas and questions in the chat. I'll, I'll, I'll happily continue to answer your questions and go back and forth with you. But we are out of questions. That was a really good question to answer. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always catch me live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. As with all of my content, I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe.